All right, welcome back to the goalpost. We're coming back to you with our college football bowl championship special. We had our Christmas special last week, and it's only right to talk about college football because there's no better time to do it than right now. We're in the midst of bowl season and figured it would only be right to get you ready for the biggest games of the season. So we're going to preview the six New Year's Eve bowl games, including the two college football playoff semifinal bowls. And there's no better time of year, Patrick. Nope. There's just bowls after bowls after bowls just right in our face, Damo. You can't run away from them. You just... You know, you get the you get some below average games to start it off the midday, kind of get you through those uh, those winter blues. And now we're starting to get into the big boys. It started off last night. We're recording on Thursday. If you're listening to this, we had some great bowl games last night. Uh, Arkansas versus Kansas, Triple OT, Oregon versus North Carolina came down to the wire. It's we're here. We're in it now. This is where you really get rewarded for kind of just grinding out the whole year this is this is what you this is what we work for now we're here exactly i think that was a good like rev up last night i think that got everybody kind of into the right mindset for the next few couple days and you're right this is the payoff period for watching college football all season because these are the games where it really matters um but before we get to our game previews a little cleanup when we left you last Talking about college football, we were discussing the Heisman finalists, which resulted in Caleb Williams from USC winning. Not a whole lot of fuss over this. Definitely had the stats to back it up. But even he said what everyone in the room was thinking, which was that the rest of the candidates get to go on and play in the playoff, which he doesn't. And yeah, other than that, it kind of fizzled out after the few days after the Heisman uh, trophy ceremony. Yeah, in a weird way, the Heisman was almost a consolation prize this year. In a really weird way. It's it's never actually a consolation prize, but this year did kind of seem underwhelming for the Heisman race. Usually it's very anticipated, really highly talked about. And this year kind of just flew under the radar because I think we talked about it in that episode. Also, no one really won no one like just had that huge Heisman moment. It could have been Max Duggan on the in overtime with a quarterback sneak to maybe get TCU the win, but unfortunately they were stopped and Caleb Williams deserved it. It was his Heisman. He had a great year and I guess we're, we'll, we'll see what he's got in bowl season now. Yeah. Instead of playing in the playoff, he'll be playing in the cotton bowl, which brings us to our first preview, which features number 10 USC versus number 16 Tulane. First and foremost, I think this just shows how tough that loss to Utah was to USC, who instead of going to the college football playoff now ends up in the 10 seed playing Tulane. Like it's not meant to be a slight at Tulane who had a great season, but things just could have been so different for USC. No, USC, it, you know, it's weird because they were they were four and eight last year. So this was a huge season for them and a, and a stepping stone in, in the right direction for this program in, in university, but there is gotta be a sense of disappointment that you, you, not only are you not going to the college football playoff, you drop to the 10 seed, your, your Heisman quarterback almost got injured where he wasn't even able to play in this game. And yeah, now you're in the cotton bowl playing the group of five school, not, not a power five. You're, you're playing the group of five champion Tulane. no disrespect, but that's, it's, yeah, there's no like happy. better. There's no like oh good try in college football, right? Like even if your last season is how USC's was, the fact that you get all the way there, it's just not good enough. Like you can't just say oh we had a great season. It that just still stings so much longer in college football because those chances seem to be so few and far in between. Uh, but credit to Tulane for being the Group of Five representative after beating UCF in the AAC championship game. They've looked pretty tough all year. This is their first near six bowl since the first time they were in it in the 1940 Sugar Bowl. So this is a pretty big deal for their program. And they've been led by their defense and run game all year. So I think it's a better matchup for them uh, against this high-powered USC offense. Defense is just allowed under 21 points per game and 340 yards per game. And that's going to be the key for them in this game, just containing Caleb Williams and keeping the offense off the field. Yeah, this matchup for USC is kind of terrible because Tulane plays the complete opposite style that the Pac-12 plays and they rush the ball, they run the ball hard and they play above average defense. They're not excellent, but they're good enough where we we all saw at USC-Utah, USC couldn't tackle to save their lives. So 
it's it does have a bit of, like Tajay Spears on on Tulane, the running back. He ran for 199 yards and a touchdown in the AAC Championship against UCF. He's run for 100 yards in seven straight games. So, like this, this is a good running attack that that USC is going to face. It's also a huge. It's by far Tulane's stiffest competition thus far in the year. They beat Kansas State earlier, which is a nice win for them. Obviously, eleven and two season, winning the AAC, which is is good for them. And yeah, yeah like weird. you said, it's for- weird with group of five schools, right? It's hard to gauge because you're not sure how to gauge the opponents they've been playing all year, the competition. But you're right; those wins against Kansas State kind of stick out because those are times that they've played those ranked opponents and won. And they're they're good enough to kind of be in this game and stir some shit up. I think. Yeah, and I know we've we've kind of we've emphasized their running game, but. Their quarterback's not terrible. Michael Pratt, he will be coming back next year for his senior season. Great he threw for 300. Man. Yes, good one. He threw for 394 yards and four touchdowns and a 194.8 passer rating against UCF, which is just, those are some crazy numbers. I know UCF, it's group of five school also, but they're, they're a pretty good school. Gus Malzahn has them in a decent spot, but they just... They spread the ball around on offense. They have they have five five wide receivers that have like they're within ten receptions of each other. So there's no one that's right. the emphasis like you have to double this guy. It's they can kind of go to whoever they want on offense, and it, it's just going to be a huge test for USC's defense, who just did not look good at all against Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, you got to hope it's like the defense that shows up that Ben don't break defense that won them games all year and not the like afraid of big moments defense that we saw in that Utah game. Like they couldn't make a single tackle. And I think that the key to keeping, you know, this game in reach for Tulane is going to obviously be keeping Caleb Williams off the field. They've been great at contacting the quarterback. They're seventh in the FBS. And I think that it, you're right. It's If they can keep this offense off the field, it's going to end up leaning on that USC defense to kind of go out and show that they can win this game. And it's just one of those spots where the Trojans kind of need to do what they did all season but failed to do against Utah in those games, right? Like establish the run early, let Caleb Williams do his thing, and just hope that you can kind of outscore them. Yeah, and that's, that's obviously a huge boost for USC that Caleb is playing for them because I think he was – he was questionable after the Pac-12. Yeah. No one really knew how serious that injury was. Like, should should he sit out for this game? But he's playing. Jordan Addison is not playing their top receiver. They've already lost their top running back, Travis Dye, to an injury. So the offense is going to be not what we saw in the Pac-12 championship or or even in the start of the year. But it's a huge opportunity for for guys like, like Relik Brown, who is a, a five-star recruit and you saw him a little bit against Utah, but now he's probably going to be stepping up in the backfield for USC. And like USC and Lincoln Riley are going to be giving these guys, the young guys opportunities. So, you know, there is obviously the question of motivation for USC. Like, are they going to be motivated to play this game against a group of five school? Because, you know, the group of five school will have the motivation to play. Absolutely. But yeah. I think if if Lincoln plays his cards right and like knows how to kind of light a fire under his guys think usc is going to be motivated to play this game especially after how like disheartening that loss was against utah yeah there's the only thing worse than missing out on the playoff would be like losing a cotton bowl too right like that would be to a group awful. of five to yeah, a group, to a group of five, of five. it's That's... not like you're playing you know yeah. like a, a clemson or a bama like a, a known school yeah like the lot like you said it the last time tulane was in a sugar bowl was when they were in the sec in 1940 yeah. so it's it's been a while it's been their while. first like winning seat double digit win season since nine ninety eight. yeah it's a great yeah. season for them it is yeah, and great they, season for them I'm sub- I thought they were higher than 16 to be honest, or I guess lower, whatever, better ranked than 16th. That's what I thought. So I'm surprised to see that two 11 and two teams. I mean, one's a conference champion, one isn't. I'm very excited for this jersey matchup, though. That too, right? I love Tulane's jerseys. Any team really with teal in their jerseys, I have a soft spot for. But yeah, I and I love USC Uni. So yeah, this is a great uniform matchup. And I feel like this is just one of those ones where you got to get on the field to see what happens, right? Like there's only so much, 
you know, projecting you can do for this game. You actually have to see how Caleb Williams looks coming off his injury. You have to see how Tulane kind of responds. So this one that uh, is a sneaky one that I think that people are actually kind of excited to watch. But speaking of motivation, we have a weird motivation matchup next up in the Sugar Bowl, which features number five Alabama versus number nine Kansas State. Kansas State, who we know from knocking off TCU in the Big 12 championship, is riding super high against Alabama, who's obviously the old Goliath, but just wasn't that way this season and was just shy of the playoffs. And it's kind of sets up a classic don't want to be there situation for Alabama, right? But weirdly enough, Bryce Young and Will Anderson both said they're going to be playing. So there has to be some element that they want to be playing here. Absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a sour taste in their mouth, you might say, for Will Anderson and Bryce Young, two, two projected top 10 draft picks in this year's draft. I, uh, I salute them for playing. I, I, I do really, too. I like that out of them. I think it shows character, shows that like they, they care about this team. They're not focused just on themselves. But this, this is eerily similar to that game that we just previewed. And just Kansas State, you know, people kind of underestimating them a little bit. A three-loss team, obviously, but they are conference champion. Alabama, we all know who Alabama is. Kind of an off year for them, even though their two losses were by one score each. Well, I guess both their losses were less than a touchdown in, in yeah. total. But this one kind of, you know Nick Saban's going to be, like motivation is not going to be a worry in this game. Yeah, it it I think the matchup screams that, but then when you actually look at who Alabama is, those guys stepping up and playing and who Nick Saban is, I think that that's yeah, not going to end up being an issue, but they shouldn't overlook this Kansas State team because, you know, of obviously being a conference champion and there has been some weird upsets in the Sugar Bowl like in I want to say 2014, that was when Alabama lost to Oklahoma, that big one that like 10 C Oklahoma. And then in 2019, Georgia lost to Texas They were when they were ranked sixth. So there's been some weird ones in the past. But particularly, this is one where the receiver matchup, surprisingly, isn't that great for Alabama. You know, they've been a great receiver school in the past, like, five, six years. They've had absolute superstars come out of there. But they haven't had anyone really all season long who has shined through. And they've had 25 drops. With the transfer portal, they lose JoJo Earl and Treshawn Holden. Um, so they're going to need a lot of other people to step up on offense here. Yeah, I was going to mention that those two, there are two, two wide receivers in a average core, we'll say, are leaving. So yeah, similar to the USC players, it's an opportunity for some of these young guys because you know there's just young guys that really haven't seen the field much or at all, especially at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So they're just they're chomping at the bit to get out there. You have one of the best quarterbacks in NCAA throwing you the ball, able to make plays, extend plays. So if you can just find ways to get open for Bryce Young, you will probably find yourself in this offense next year. You know, like, cause that's, that's kind of what these games are for teams like in Alabama. Obviously you want to win, but it is also somewhat of a, of a showcase for next year to show the team and the coaches what you have to bring to the table because a lot of these guys probably weren't solidified starters throughout the entire year but now they're going to get the opportunity you you brought it up with the motivation and Saban so this is the fourth time they will be outside of the college football playoffs since Nick Saban has been there they are two and one in those bowl games so clearly he gets them up to play enough where it's like okay like let's find a way to win this game two and one's a pretty good record I just I don't really know what to make out of this Kansas State team I think they were probably the best team in the big 12 over like because we we talked about their they lost to TCU earlier in the year uh two quarterbacks going down Alec Martinez and Will Howard getting injured so they were winning up until that point then they got to their third string and lost lost to Tulane Who's that was not a bad three, loss, I think. Yeah, and then I forget who their other Big Twelve lost, but they have one more, obviously. But I just, you kind of saw it in the Big Twelve Championship, they have explosive abilities on offense, and their defense is kind of just like it's good enough up until Duggan started making hero plays in the last last two drives. But Kansas State's a pretty good team and could maybe shock people in this one. Yeah, explosive is the right word. Like Deuce Vaughn's electric, and he's five six. That's but a has, great name. Yeah, oh, all time. He's five six, but has eight a hundred yard games this year, including rushing for one hundred and thirty in the Big Twelve Championship. 
He also caught 42 passes this year and three touchdowns. And he's averaging in general 138 yards a game. Like he's just a little spark plug. So I love somebody like that to have somebody like that in this game who can actually just be driving Kansas State's offense. And you're right about the Kansas State quarterback room's kind of been all over the place, right? Like they have had Adrian Martinez and Will Howard back and forth. Game really could feature both QBs. And if the if the QB situation can kind of if they can get it done by committee here, like I read that they would have some packages with Martinez ready. If they can do that, they can keep themselves in this game. Yeah, and the more we talk about it, the more it feels like that Tulane spot as well. But this is a better team than Tulane, I think. Yeah, it is. I know they lost to Tulane earlier in the year, but it's a, it's a better team than Tulane. I think I might have called Adrian Martinez Alec Martinez early yeah. in the, earlier, but that's okay. It's we knew we knew what I was talking about. This game, I it what the spread? Did you see how the spread moved? After I did. It Anderson was like almost Bryce, doubled. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was like three and a half or four, somewhere around there. And now it's at half, six yeah. and a half. The over uh, total got raised as well. Alabama. A lot just, of points, man. 56 isn't crazy. No, no. Just the spread jumping to oh, six and yes. a half. Like a, a touchdown's a lot here. I don't, I do think that it is kind of telling you something that Alabama with their best team is probably seven points better than than Kansas State with their best team. So I just – Alabama wants to make it 12 consecutive seasons with 11 or more wins. I Which is just, insane. Yeah. And then now they have the best recruiting class again coming in the, in the 2023. So they're not going anywhere, but I think this game will pretty much be one in the trenches. I just think Alabama's offensive line and defensive line is so much bigger, stronger – more athletic than what Kansas State has to offer. And I do think that's going to be their biggest problem. Yeah, I think so too. And if Kansas State really wants to stay in this game, Felix Uzama is going to have to be unreal. He was the big 12 defensive player of the year. And he's got to get after Alabama and Bryce Young like they did to Duggan, right? Like for a lot of that game, Duggan was put in a lot of uncomfortable spots. Yeah, And that's going to be their chance to pull pull off the upset here. They got to be getting... Bryce Young kind of moving, even though he is a great uh, mobile quarterback and making plays on the run. But same thing. You got to get him make moving. You got to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. But that brings us to an all-time classic bowl game in Pasadena for the Rose Bowl featuring number eight, Utah, and number 11, Penn State. And what I think is one of the better matchups of the bowl season, I think it's two pretty even teams, two top 20 offenses going at it. And I think it's going to be a really exciting game like last year. It would be hard to top last year's game, but it there is one of the two teams that is going to be back in it from last year. So yep. that that does help. Do you just quick side question? Do you ever watch the actual parade, the Rose Bowl parade? No, but I would say I watch it by proxy because I think my mom has it on every every now and again. So my mom always watches it too. Okay, I, yeah. I think that's that's just like the weird thing that yeah, I don't know. I I, I just, love the Rose Bowl though. I, that's like one of my bucket list games. Is like I want to go to a Rose Bowl. Yeah, not not a UCLA game. The Rose yeah, Bowl game, exactly. It's and crazy. and it sucks because they used to mean so much more too, right? Like it used to be that semifinal game a lot of the time. Well, yeah, and then did you did you see how when they were trying to expand the playoff, the Rose Bowl took forever to wasn't like, in the mix. We'll we'll be yeah. a part of it. It took them took them a while, but they finally gave in. But yeah, going back to this game, I don't know what to make of Penn State. They're maybe one of the most like kind of anomaly teams. You don't really know what they are because sneaky ten and two season, man. Yeah, ten and two, and their two losses are to two teams in the playoff right now. It makes you think it's like, oh, could they have been in the playoff with a different schedule? Like, it just makes you think that what if. Yeah, it's – I'm not that high on Sean Clifford for a 24-year-old quarterback. I kind of would expect more out of him. I kind of agree as well. Yeah, he's just kind of – I don't know. He's – you should be doing more as a 24-year-old to – you said top 20 offense, but it just doesn't feel that way. They've kind of – Penn State's just been under the radar all year, really. I feel like – there were only two national spotlight games were against Ohio State and Michigan, which unfortunately they both lost. But I feel like that's just what the world saw them as, just a team that isn't elite. Yeah, which is, you know, part of that you wonder, is it good for their team morale that they've been flying under the radar? Like you don't have the pressure in this spot. Um, but there is like certain spots in this game where 
the pressure is going to come on, right? Like they, Sean Clifford is trying to go out in a blaze of glory right now, right? Like this is probably his last game and he's trying to go out on a high note and go out winning. But this isn't a game that they win unless they do kind of all those things right that they have been doing all year. They've been chopping teams up with the run game. They have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen as a duo, and they both combine for almost 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns. Um, so it's tough to stop, and it's but they're going to have to be firing on all cylinders because this Utah team isn't the one to mess around with, I think. Like this... The rushing defense is 16th nationally and allows 107 yards per game. They're a tough-nosed team, and they can big and they can win big games, right? Yeah, both teams are very battle-tested this year. But we, everyone saw it in the Pac-12 championship. Utah was able to adjust very quickly to USC's quick start and just kind of swallowed them. They had nothing going in the second half, and that's it's one of the best offenses in college football. So mm-hmm. it they're They've done very it before, com- yeah. This is like, this is, you said it, this is one of the best matched up games, just two good offenses and two good defenses, which is just, I don't know if you're going to get the shootout you got last year, but I do think you're going to get a very highly competitive game. Cam rising. I like, I do give the edge to Utah in this game slightly. I, like I would have it at two and a half where, where it's at right now. I just He's think the Cam, X factor here yeah. though. Cam like, Rising is a better quarterback than Sean Clifford. A lot of Penn State fans, and I'm curious to see him as well. They have a five-star freshman quarterback just sitting there for them. Rumbling all year. Yeah, yeah. Drew Alar. He is just... It's like a faction growing within Penn State. People are just talking want, and they, talking. All the fans yeah. want him, especially because Sean Clifford lost the two biggest games of the year. You just yeah. There is a, a low ceiling when they have their offense with Sean Clifford but a really high floor. Jewelar, I feel like your ceiling goes up a, a ton with him right. at quarterback. Parker Washington, the the wide receiver for Penn State, absolutely destroyed Ohio State's secondary when they played each other. He is an elite receiver. Another guy who might step up in this game is Jaquindon Jackson, who is the running back, well, was backup running back for Utah, but we saw him in the Pac-12 championship. Had 105 yards, two touchdowns on 13 carries. So he he looks like Efficient. he's going to step up. He's just it's the story of all these bowl games. It's like who is who's the next guy in the reins? So that's why Penn State. You you might see Drew. You might see Drew in this game. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It, it just that game. It makes me think of um, who was it last year for Ohio State with that insane game. Um, was it Marvin Smith, Harrison Jr.? Smith and J- Jackson, no, was, Smith and Jigba. Yeah. 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 Like it makes me think of that because he stepped up so crazy in that game. And that's where the motivation really comes with, especially with like portal NIL. It, it, there's just so many more factors now for guys to kind of keep, keep themselves in the mindset for this game. And it's going to come down to guys like that, right? Like it's obviously going to come down to rising, playing well. He's been the backbone of that team for pretty much two seasons now. But guys like that, if they step up, it, it just makes that Utah team tougher and tougher to play against. And with him being a freshman and kind of set to take over the reins next year, this could be the perfect game for him uh, to kind of go off. That's Quinton we're talking about. But ultimately, this is another game where we're going to have to see what happens on the field. Like it's two even matchups, but it comes down to who plays better, I think. Yeah, Joy Porter Jr. opting out for this game for Penn State is not what they wanted. I'm sure no. he's going to be another first rounder in the draft. It's Penn state is going to try and swarm them on defense. Just kind of force them to throw the ball. They're just going to stack the, I've seen how they do it. They just stack the box and make you throw and cam rising is good enough to throw on them. I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see this game. It always throws me off that it's new year's day. And I always kind of forget about the Rose Bowl. And then I just turn on my TV. I'm like, yes. Like, I know. It's such a nice you. surprise. That's beautiful. And they, they seem to be putting an emphasis on good matchups. And you're getting another good one. Utah's quietly turning into like a, a national power right like in front of program. our eyes. Yeah. yeah. I love so, it. So good for them. Great jersey matchup again, I think. I hope Penn State goes with the Navy, Navy top. I don't like they're all whites, but the Navy tops are nice. Going against the Utah Whites, 
I don't know. I'm excited. I guess I there's gonna be a lot of eyes on this game, even like scouting wise. Like I feel like this is a game a lot of people are gonna be looking at. And even for guys like Rising, right? Like he has one year left of eligibility. There's a pretty good chance he hits the portal, maybe. And you know, it, 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 depending on how this game goes, who knows, right? Um, yeah, I got no idea. Yeah, so becomes pretty clear these teams are pretty similar. Definitely one of the more even matchups. But this takes us to the last of the bowl games that isn't a playoff semifinal in the Orange Bowl, featuring number six Tennessee and number seven Clemson. And what may be the perfect set of teams for the Orange Bowl? Are you kidding me? The orangest bowl of them all. Literally. Amazing jersey matchup, both in general, like regularly, but also for the Orange Bowl. They they should allow them to go all orange. <laughs> just, just just nobody has any idea who well, has the Well, the different, ball. but you know, at least Tennessee's got white helmets. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's pretty much the only tell. Yeah. White, I think they have white pants. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't but know. aside from all uniforms, orange. give me all orange. This is an interesting matchup. Like, I think a lot of people are tired of seeing Clemson. Some maybe rather would have seen Utah in this game, like in that seven seed. But that just goes to show how good Clemson has been. A 11 win season in an ACC championship is now seen as like kind of a, you know, mass season for Clemson. But this matchup has South Carolina written all over it, of course, like who essentially denied both teams possible playoff bids. They beat the Vols 63-38 in the second last week, and in the last week beat the Tigers 31-30. So this is a game where both of these teams are are hungry for a get right after being denied that. And I think that's the most intriguing part of this game is it feels just like two rhinos going at it. Yeah, South Carolina did pretty much end both their seasons. Well, at least playoff hopes. What? So you, you were talking about earlier how people are kind of sick and tired of Clemson, and that I was one of those people that was in that group. But I was mainly just sick and tired of watching how how their offense would just continue to underperform with DJ Uangalele at quarterback, who they finally benched for Kate Klubnick, who is. Clemson would have been a playoff team if Klubnik was at quarterback all year. I don't see how they lose a game playing in the ACC. It's just frustrating because I think everyone knew it when he, because there would be several times throughout the year where DJ would have a terrible first half and you'd bring in Cade in the second half and he'd go and win the game, right? Like right right in front of you, playing the same team, same defense. Yeah. And he's very clearly the better quarterback. Then they just go back to DJ and it's just yeah. so frustrating because he's like, and that oh, happening yeah. in the ACC championship game too. Well, yeah. Well, I was on North Carolina thinking DJ was playing the whole game, and then Dabo just out of nowhere figures it out. I'm just like, okay, I'm on the wrong side now because Clemson is a like I just can't express it enough how much better of a quarterback Clubnick is than DJ, who has now transferred to Oregon State. Yeah, he's but gone. Another thing to watch in this game is uh, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman opting out for uh, Tennessee. And Tennessee also, we all know, and then Hooker. Yeah, so yeah, take it away. You you get into that. No, just the QB, it, the QB position in this game is the most intriguing part. Like, it's just two dogs. Like, Joe Milton III had, t- takes over for Hendon Hooker, and he has some experience. Like, he started in 2021 and then lost the job to Hooker. But... For this game, it's going to come down for both quarterbacks, right? Like, Klubnik looked great in that win over North Carolina. North Carolina also has, like, one of the worst pass defenses in college football. But so does Tennessee. Like, so this is a spot where yeah. where you can throw on Tennessee. So I think Klubnik's going to look good. And then that falls kind of on Joe Milton, right? Like, he is going to be great for them in short yardage, right? Like, he's a huge quarterback. And he's going to be great for those short yardage. But can, you know, he take this game over and win it for them is ultimately going to be the question. Yeah, both quarterbacks starting in this game were not starting for their respective teams at the beginning of the year, which is, yeah, it's that's fun. I kind of like that. It's fun because you don't really it. know exactly know what you're going to get out of this team. Yeah, I've watched, I've, I watched a decent amount of Joe Milton when he was at Michigan. I believe he started a game. I, no, no, he didn't because that was the COVID year. Yeah. I, I thought he, I've seen him play at Michigan though, and he He's limited in what he can do. His biggest thing is arm talent. He's, yeah, got, he's got one of the big arm, yeah. One of the craziest arms you will see, and it's effortless. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. But it's gonna hurt missing your top two receivers. 
And it, you know what I mean? It's he looked good against Vanderbilt. That was the one because Hooker got injured in the South Carolina game, finished that game, and then he st- his only start with Tennessee this year was against Vanderbilt, who we all know Vandy's not the best, but mm-hmm. they are they're a competent team. But it's just they're gonna have to lean on their running backs, I think, in this game. Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. You're gonna have to have guys such as Brew McCoy step up in the receiving game and Squirrel White. Like it's just you don't really know what we're gonna see out here. But I think Cade Klubnik is miles better than Joe Milton as a quarterback. Yeah, so I think it ultimately falls on the Tennessee defense to kind of make the adjustment in this game. Like the pass rush really has to help out their secondary. They had 27 sacks in 12 games. So if you can get to Klubnik and kind of take the pressure off the secondary so that he isn't just like raining bombs on you all day, which teams really have been able to do against Tennessee, that's going to be the difference. And they got to avoid getting down early. That killed them against South Carolina and Georgia. And all like their recipe to winning has basically been getting up to early leads, then relying on that run game and just closing games out. Yeah, so you they, have to make the game manageable. Yeah, they become one dimensional when they get out to that yeah. to, to to an early deficit. They become one dimensional to just throw, throw, throw. And Hooker, while he's a very talented quarterback, probably isn't the best throwing quarterback in the world. He just yeah. kind of makes plays, which is something that a lot of other quarterbacks can't do. But another thing that we haven't talked about at all is a Clemson defense that is somewhat underperformed this year as to what they were believed to be going into the year, but their defensive line is as elite as you can get in this college football. Brian Brzee is playing. He's going to be a first round pick, possibly top 10. You got guys like, uh, like KJ Henry, Tyler Davis. Like these, these are huge huge bodies and are, they're extremely athletic i know uh tennessee's playing in the sec and they're they see big boys all the time but if if they clog up the middle because their front sounds very good and they stop the run game it's base you basically might as well spot them 10 points yeah because exactly because then, then now it's joe milton's gonna have to throw a lot more than they probably wanted him to going into the, into the game but if if they are able to run the ball Tennessee will have success in this game because then we we've seen it. Clemson doesn't have the greatest going into the year. People were talking about this Clemson defense being, you know, setting records, being historic, but it, they weren't, they were, they were fine, but Tennessee can move the ball. We've seen it. They put up 50 against Bama. I know Georgia wasn't the best game, but against other teams, they stomped LSU. Like they can put up points when they want to. I know that was with Hendon Hooker, but it is what it You're is. Right, though. It, it falls down to that that D line. Like it's scary for Clemson. And it also funnels everything kind of up to Nate Wiggins, like their corner, who was unreal in that ACC title game. Like he had a pass breakup in the end zone. He blocked a field goal. He had a pick six. So he could be the difference in slowing that passing game too. Like if they're forcing Milton to throw and Wiggins is on the back there, it's a bad recipe for Tennessee. It's not the greatest matchup in general. I think you're right. Um, so they're really going to have to show that peop- that they were the right ones, right? Like all year, Tennessee was saying, you know, we deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. Obviously, you don't have Hendon anymore, so it's hard to make that same comparison. But this is a big game for them to show people that they were right. But it- it's a tough matchup. Clemson's tough sledding right now. Yeah, Clemson also, like Will Shipley as a running back, they they love him. I Like the fans, I mean, like they're in love with this Will Shipley guy. I've watched a, a decent amount of Clemson this year. He hasn't wowed me. He's fine. He's dynamic. He's able to catch and run, which is nice. But I'm just, I am very worried about the future of this Clemson team as as an Ohio State fan because I think they're going to be really good next year. Antonio Williams is leading their team and receiving this year as a freshman. Will Shipley will be back the, next year. It's just... Their defense obviously is going to have some turnover with some of their defensive line going to the NFL, but on offense next year, Clemson is going to be so dangerous, and I think we're going to get a taste of it in this in this Orange Bowl. Yeah, I'm excited to see it too. But that brings us to the end of the bowls that aren't the playoff. All right, welcome back to the big ones. We're talking about the semifinal round bowl games for the college football playoffs. And we're starting with the Fiesta Bowl, featuring number two Michigan and number three TCU. 
before getting into any analysis, how ridiculous is it that the Fiesta Bowl is now the semifinal game? Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm not used to it being a playoff game. I'm used to the Sugar Bowl being a playoff. Yeah. Uh, the Rose Bowl has once been playoff, but I guess you kind of got to rotate it. I, it's I don't know. It's just it's just got nothing to it for me. Like it's just got no soul, you know. Like the the Fiesta, it feels like the Tostitos Bowl still. But to the football side of things. This is a really interesting matchup for a number of reasons. Obviously, a quarterback. We got Heisman finalist Max Duggan facing Michigan's J.J. McCarthy. Also, super surprised J.J. McCarthy doesn't have earrings. I saw him in an interview the other day. That was really shocking to me. Yeah, he's 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 one of those like pretty boys. <laughs> he seems like yeah, he seems like a, a, a diamond man. earring type he's of guy. He's a Michigan man. That's exactly the 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 type of people that go to Michigan, right there. <laughs> But this is an important matchup for TCU's defense because we know Duggan can bring it. Like, obviously, he's got his work cut out for him with Michigan's defense. But this is by and far the best quarterback that they'll play this year. They got some quarterback luck in their four ranked wins, that four straight ranked wins that they popped off. Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State all either had to play a backup quarterback for at least part of the game or were playing with an injured starter. So how they respond to J.J. McCarthy, who showed he can make big throws in that Ohio State game, that's really going to be an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, I it will probably be uh, Quinn Ewers might be a better quarterback, but other one of the best for sure that they will be playing. I think the game plan is so easy for Michigan in this game. I think so, too. It's it's Donovan Edwards and you're going to hear that name, I think, so much watching it is me donovan edwards gets the ball donovan edwards gets the ball it's it's right there it's it's pretty easy for them and i the think the fact he, he finished the season with 1500 yards and 18 tds like with a team that had blake quorum on it is ridiculous like obviously he got injured and stepped up but those are still insane stats he had 400 yards in the past two games like the two biggest games of the year he's yeah. he stepped up huge i think i think you know tcu's Definitely a better team than Purdue. Ohio State probably didn't have their best game against Michigan either in those games, but it still shows that when Michigan wants to run the ball, they will be able to. And you're going to have to commit so many resources to stopping it. And no one has showed that they can so far yeah. in the year. So we'll, we'll, like, you know what I mean? It's, there's no reason for them to go away from this game plan. And I know obviously you're, you're not going to get the, the duel back. As, as you were earlier in the year, and it's going to be the Donovan Edwards show. So I guess there's the question of, can Donovan Edwards have a complete game against a good team that's not Purdue? I there's think some he weird can. noise around Corum too. Like some reports say 50-50, some say no way, some say like, like it's all over the map. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I don't see any way he plays. When, like no. when you watch him in that Ohio State game, he could he couldn't move. He can yeah. move, and I know especially with the chance of a national championship, like you're probably thinking of resting him even precautionarily for that. Like, I don't know. It's it's a weird spot, right? Because the player obviously wants to play, but if you have this matchup, which I think is kind of perfect for Michigan, I think you're almost looking ahead to like keeping him for a national championship game. And you you just said it right there. I was going to talk about it. Michigan is yeah, because Michigan is. I, they're in a different spot than they were last year when they first made the playoff. It was kind of just like, okay, we needed to get here. You know, we we beat Ohio State, won a Big Ten with Harbaugh. Yeah, we're they were feeling them like that. Those are their expectations, and they met them. They didn't care how badly they lost to Georgia in the semifinals. They had a good year, and they yeah. did. Now, second time around, pressure's you're on. You're the three seed, and or sorry, the two seed playing the three seed. And like there is expectations now. There is expectations. Heart, you're not. You're not. Oh, good old Michigan. Good for them. Underdog Michigan. You're now back to the, your perennial Michigan. And I mean, you're catching more than a touchdown in this game. So you, you you're not the underdog, and you have expectations to get to the national championship and try and get vengeance against the uh, yeah. Georgia, who's favored against Ohio State. Which is interesting because. TCU's been great at coming from behind all year, right? Like, they've been one of the better comeback teams all year. They know how to stay in games and stay around. They, which yeah, is, I got the You stat, know, with the Michigan the team. Oh, go for it. They have overcome six double-digit... They've overcome double-digit deficits in six different games this year. Damn. Yeah, and, and that's why I love... Like, especially with a seven-and-a-half spread, this is a game where TCU could hang around if they if they 
push all the right bu- buttons, right? Like everyone's playing at their high caliber. Kendrick Miller's running the ball well, du- takes a bit of the pressure off Duggan. Their offense is moving well. We know this offense can move the ball. And you you hate to have any sort of a look ahead for Michigan here because this is a game, this is a team in TCU that can clearly stay in games. Yeah, they can. They've played arguably one of the toughest schedules all year. Yep. Great uh great Sonny Dykes quote here. When people asking him about, you know, being an underdog in this game, blah, blah, blah. Do you deserve to be in? He goes, we don't have the good fortune to play an out-of-conference game like the SEC does in Week 10 or Week 11. You're not going to catch the Citadel in Week 10. We caught Texas. It's a perfect quote, and it's so right. It is, because they have played a gauntlet of a schedule. And I know, I mean, Michigan probably hasn't had the toughest schedule either. Their out-of-conference games were awful. Obviously, you get Penn State and Ohio State, and then... Even the Big Ten Championship against Purdue. I mean, TCU is a better team than Purdue. I don't think that's a crazy time, yeah. something to say. So I, I I don't know. This is a huge moment for Max Duggan, who obviously came second in Heisman voting, came up short in the Big 12 Championship. So he wants his accolades, man. He he wants to fill that trophy case. The huge job for the draft, too. Exactly. So like he's yeah. like, obviously, motivation is gonna be, not going to be a factor in a playoff game. But I think in a weird way, Max Duggan will have more motivation in this game than, say, a J.J. McCarthy, who we've been saying it all the time. They're looking for the national championship. They might be looking ahead to the national championship. And it I'm not going to say it's going to bite them in the butt, but there is always a possibility of a look-ahead spot coming back to get you. For sure, yeah. And Duggan's not the guy to play around with, right? Like a Heisman finalist, he can clearly change games. Uh, and I think that that's secretly, not even secretly, I think that's what everyone's rooting for in this game who isn't a Michigan fan, right? Like people want to see that, especially with him not getting the Heisman. I think people would love to see him have a great game. And if he pulled off an upset, it would be unbelievable for his draft stock too. Uh, so there's a lot on the line here. And and that goes for both teams, right? Like Michigan's 13 wins right now are already the most in a single season in school history. They haven't won a title since 97. And a win on Saturday would give them a chance for their 10th national title game. It's a big deal. Uh, uh, oppositely, TCU, they're in the play- college football playoff for the first time. 13 wins would match the team's winning a season in 2010. 14th in a title game um, would be a school record. And they only have one national title, which came back in 1938. So they're looking to get back. There's a lot going on in this game. I think everybody's super pumped for it. Yeah, it's no secret that TCU is the biggest underdog in this playoff right now. Big time, yeah. We've been talking about Donovan Edwards and the Michigan running game and their game plan. TCU's defense has kind of been shaky all year. We have, we've talked about their offense and how they're able to come back in games, but I think a huge reason that they get down in games is because their defense is a little suspect. Yeah. So I, if you're Sonny Dykes, you have to change something. Or the defensive coordinator, I apologize i don't know his name but you you have to figure out something or at least try you, you, you know what i mean you're not you might not be successful but at least you can say you know you gave it your an honest effort but kansas state and deuce vaughn were able to run all over uh tcu in the big 12 championship so i just don't see how michigan won't have success running the ball in this game which is killer right like if they run the ball like Kansas State did it was almost deflating right like with every like eight or nine yard run like TCU lost steam and in a game with as many as much pressure and as much momentum that comes in these playoff games you can't let Michigan like run you over and get up to like a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter right like yeah that's just not a game plan that's gonna work so they're gonna have their work cut out for them you know, it's going to come down, you know, Sonny Dykes has to do those things that make you a coach of the year that put you above, you know, other coaches that actually help teams win games in those little situations with those decisions. So I think it's going to come down to a lot of different things, but ultimately they got to show they can stop Michigan. I think this game for TCU with there's pressure, but there's no pressure at the same time. If you know what I yeah. mean? I don't think yeah. anyone's being like, oh, TCU's going to win the national championship. TCU's going to beat Michigan. They're more than a touchdown favorite. I think we could see some trick plays. 
some fake punts, some fake field goals. You know what I mean? Like the sky just, yep. you have to try something. If you're TCU, you have like, you can't just stick to your You can't game play point. this game straight up. Yeah. yeah. You can't do what you did in the big 12 championship and expect to win this game. That's just yeah. crazy. That's you're crazy. If you do. So yeah, I want it. I just want it as a fan, just some trick plays, some excitement. But I, I also do think it's a good opportunity to try some of that stuff out because it is kind of like, you you have nothing else to play for other than this game right now, and then nothing to if lose, something yeah. comes after that, then you're happy. So yeah, go no, get. That's it. a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but that brings us to our final preview and our final game with the Peach Bowl in Atlanta between number one Georgia and number four Ohio State. How are we feeling? Vibes are high. Vibes, Vibes are, are high. high. I'm all the way back in, Damian. They gave us new life. They should have never done it. They thought we were dead. They thought we were dead. We are back. I I just, I think the team that has the most motivation in the playoff right now is Ohio State. They, I think I'm, so too. You might call me crazy, but I think that loss from Michigan is just, it's all that is being talked about. And all these pressers, they're doing their media tours right now. All you're hearing is Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. So I just think this team is as pissed off and as motivated as they've been all year. And it's one of the few teams, maybe, mm, won't say the only, but one of like three teams that can match up athlete for athlete with Georgia. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If any team has like a path to the national championship that you can kind of actually map out in terms of, you know, why matchups can lead to a win it's kind of ohio state right like other than tennessee georgia hasn't played an offense like this all year they played one they faced one 1000 yard receiver all year and ohio state has a pair of them and this is a passing attack that didn't even have jackson smith and Jigba for most of the entire season and let's not forget cj stroud like he's been kind of buried through the past few weeks of not getting his shine after that michigan game and he was still, a, he's now a two-time Heisman finalist, a two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. He led the nation in TD passes and QB efficiency. If there is an offense that can beat anyone, it's Ohio State's. And if you can score on Georgia, you can score on anyone. Yeah, I think if you ask Georgia and Kirby Smart, out of the three teams in the playoff, who would you least want to play in your first-round matchup? It would probably be Ohio State coming yes. off that Michigan loss. Yes. That being said, Ohio State has not shown up really in their biggest games this year. Uh, obviously, we all know what happened against Michigan. Uh, Notre Dame, second week of the year, it, it took them a long time to figure it out. One of their few games, they didn't get to 30 points. They won, obviously, and then they beat Penn State, which was kind of almost the exact same game as Notre Dame with just a couple more points involved. But it was just... They haven't looked great against great competition. So that's what I, that's my biggest worry in this game is just Georgia's really good. And They're this is the so greatest solid. competition of them all, right? Like, yeah, it's Georgia's defense has obviously been the bell of the ball this year. Like everyone's been talking about them. This is their first SEC championship since 2017. And they've looked like the best team in the nation pretty much each of the 13 weeks. They had a pretty easy schedule at certain points. Um, but they avoided those in-season scares, right? Like they took care of business against Tennessee. Stetson Bennett, uh, Heisman finalist, however much you want to argue against that. But Brock Bowers has dominated. Darnell Washington has looked great. And so their offense is much better than they really get credit for um, or at least noticed for because their defense has been so dominant. They have three running backs with over 500 yards and six touchdowns. And you never really know who Stetson's going to give the ball to because it's a really deep offense and a really diverse passing game. So I think it comes down, like we know Ohio State has a great offense and they're going to have to battle with that Georgia defense. But can Ohio State's defense hang in with Georgia for this game? Yeah, it's a big question. You, you said it. You, you never really know who's going to get the ball on that Georgia offense. And that is what makes them so good because they're one of the most well-rounded offenses in college football, even though they have a car salesman at quarterback, but but Ohio State can do it because 
what they did wrong in that Michigan game was they just committed everyone to stopping the run and then they were getting gashed over the top, which was just unacceptable. Yeah. But I don't think you have to commit as much. They were just trying to make a weird statement in that game. They weren't playing what they usually do, but their defense has been solid all year. I know on national television and the biggest stage, they weren't, they were bad, but they have quietly been very good all year. And this Georgia defense is very good, but we saw LSU in the SEC championship put up 502 passing yards against them and 30, 30 points. So it's possible if Ohio state has won every game, they put up 30 points in this year. So that's pretty much the, the number to get to if you're Ohio state in this offense, losing Travion Henderson hurts Uh, uh, something that they did in the Michigan game that really just didn't make sense to me was they just weren't using Dallin Hayden, a freshman running back who had a huge game against, uh, Oh no, I'm forgetting against Maryland had three touchdowns. And then the next week against Michigan, you just didn't see him at all. So it was just, very questionable play calling, very questionable decision-making. Everything was just very questionable in that game, but I think they're going to do everything in their power to kind of erase that. Cause if you win this game and I think honestly, if they kind of just win this game, it erases a lot of what happened. And then if somehow Christmas present for Ryan day, well, yeah. The, if Ryan day loses this game, trouble he's not gone yeah. he's not gone but, but he, next yeah, season he's not real going to be fun for yeah. him because you know we said it you you either you come to ohio state to beat michigan and win national championships so he didn't beat michigan but he somehow has a chance to win a national championship so obviously if that happens he's good but it's it's just going to be tough i mean yeah the one last thing i had was that the the ohio state offensive line has to show up to play georgia's got a physical defensive front they're going to pressure the hell out of CJ Stroud to get him off script. That's one of the things he's been known to struggle with is having to improvise and getting off script. And they're going to be blitzing a lot more regularly, I think. So that O-line is going to have its work cut out for them. And you're right. Teams like LSU put up that many yards, right? Like their quarterback had time to make plays. They had space up the middle of the run. So I think everything out of OSU's offense is going to against the defense like this has to has to start at the offensive line yeah they've actually done a good job pass protecting this year just not the greatest job in run blocking yeah you kind of have to for your quarterback to get that many stats right like when you see his stats like that it's like he's yeah, had but, time this but year. you said it I mean CJ Stroud outside of the pocket I would love to see him just go past the line of scrimmage once in this game if he goes past the line of scrimmage once I will be clapping I, I but will wouldn't just... that be great like if you're him you're like they don't see me as this guy at all. It's not like Nobody he's an does. unathletic build either. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, and I don't need you to be a running quarterback. I don't need you to be Justin no, Fields. Just you're not Justin Fields. Six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. If they're giving you 20 yards and you're just you're still moving to the sideline looking for a home run pass, you're a crazy person. Go take yeah. the five yards and slide in at second and five instead of second and ten. Just little things like that. That's manageable third down upsetting. this game. You you mentioned um, I forget which one um, would be like a scout's dream. This game is going to be loaded with NFL yeah, scouts. That was this Utah is, Penn State. I said that, but yeah, you're right. This, this game, game is, is just be insane. An, an NFL factory that's going to be on the field right now. I'm I'm excited, man. I mean, we shouldn't have been given this opportunity, but we have it now, and I just hope that's the message in the room is like they sh- they don't want us. They shouldn't have given us this opportunity because now we have an opportunity to go out and get it and don't they shouldn't have, but things bounce their way and we're here. Yeah. So, let's do it. Yeah, it's time uh time to put their money where their mouth is in terms of Georgia. If you were this amazing team, you should be able to handle Ohio State. Ohio State's got a lot to prove. You know, they were doubted all year, so there's a lot on the line here and uh it's going to come down to kind of who shows up. Exactly. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. I'm just, I'm excited, man. These bowl seasons, the best time of the year. Best time of the year. But we'll come back to you now with a special goal post pick segment. All right, welcome back to a special edition of our goal post pick segment. It's going to be bowl post picks because we're going to be picking bowl games here. So any bowl game that currently is still on the schedule is up for grabs. You don't have to do near six bowl games. 
And this one's wide open, right? Like college football is tough to bet on late in the year. It's a lot easier early in the year where you kind of know who teams are going into the season. There's a lot of points scored. Defenses are fresh. But in honor of not having a winner from last week to go on, we're going to be flipping a coin live on air here to see who goes first. Patrick, you'll call it an air. I'm going to flip let it. Me, let me know when. Let me know when. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Tails. It is tails. I'm going to defer. I'm going to You're gonna defer. defer. All right. All right. That's not Show us the confidence. worst. Yeah, that's not the worst idea here. Um, I'm going to lead with my squarest pick, and I hate taking it, but I think that it's a game where ultimately it's just inevitable. I'm going to take Bama by six and a half. I think the touchdown, the six, if it was seven and a half, I wouldn't have taken it, but six and a half is just lovely there. I think that this is a game where if they do win, they cover by a touchdown. Yeah, they, it, I was looking at it, but I kind of want you to it. take square ones to kind of uh, open up, right? Like, I don't know. Open something up? Yeah, okay. I don't really know what's going to happen here. Yep, yeah, no, it's true. My second pick, this one is, it's still a favorite, but it's much less of a square pick. This is a toss-up. I'm going to be taking Utah two and a half. I think that, a perfect field goal game for them right like if they're if their team shows up i think that they win this game outright uh and i think that they win it by a field goal and i i don't know i just love that utah team after that that in the lights game against usc i think i believe in them a lot more fun team fun yeah. team um but with my last pick here this is where i'm gonna go out on a limb um and take a game where i'm much less confident about but I still think it could happen. I think the spread's just a bit too big. I'm going to be taking Tennessee four and a half. Where are you getting four and a half from? What'd you have? I'm looking at plus six. Really? Yeah. Bet three, I'll six, take five. plus six. I'll yeah, plus I'm, looking, I'm looking at, I was like, cause I thought that's where you were going by everything you were like talking about. I'm like, right, okay, right, I think right. this is like a Tennessee Clemson game. And yeah, you know what? Like I could have just read that one wrong, but uh, yeah, I love it even more at six and <laughs> I love yeah, it even we're more. We're using that three six five buck, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. lines. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah, that was because I looked it no up. Free ads. Um, yeah, no, but I'll take that. I think that this is a game where if Tennessee's front line can do the right things and get pressure on a new, uh, like a relatively fresh QB, you know, if things go right, I think six is a lot of points, right? Like I don't know. This is the one where I'll go out on the leg for. We're, and we're, we're doing three, three. Each? We're doing three. We're doing three. Okay. Each. So those are my three. So I have a question. Yeah. We ha- we haven't uh, had one of these yet, but it's not the same pick as you, but it's the same game. What, like a three way or something, like a regulation, or what are we talking? No, 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 no. I'm just on a different side than you. Oh yeah, that's fine. Games. Different side for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going Tennessee. Yeah. Or, Clem- sorry, I'm going Clemson. You're going Clemson, Clemson minus yeah. six. I I love it. I yeah. love it. The line's going to keep moving towards Clemson. Give it to me at six. It's I, I Klubnik is the real deal. He's the real deal. Tennessee's missing their biggest threats uh, in the receiving game. I, I've seen Joe Milton play at Michigan. I don't believe in him at all. So I'm just going to take Clemson. They killed me in the ACC championship. Don't kill me here. Fingers off the button, but fuck, I'm already sweating that. Is what it is, man. I don't know what's gonna happen. I just like I just I think Clemson's such a better team with Clubnick at quarterback. It's crazy. No, it's true. You talk Alabama, Utah. I'm gonna go oh goodness, goodness, goodness gracious. Oh, I don't know. Purdue plus 14 and a half. Disgusting. But two touchdowns is too much against LSU. Two touchdowns. That is disgusting. But Purdue's stuck in games, man. Like that Illinois game. That I feel like watching that game gives me enough confidence for them to cover. 14. Hung in there against Penn State. Went to the last, last drive of the game. I think LSU's kind of overvalued a little bit. Give me two touchdowns. And then do I do it, Damien? Do I, do I go to the boys? I'm just going to take the over <sighs> in that game. Over 62 yeah, and yeah. a half. Yeah, Over yeah. Six, two like and a half, Georgia, Ohio State. Those are the three. One just give gave you a disgusting pick in there for fun. If I had to, do you have a like this? This won't count. But do you have like a side in Tulane USC? I feel like the no, square I, plays USC, right? 
Definitely, but the more that I researched that game, the more I wanted to take Tulane just for fun. Yeah, because it's not it's they're playing an opposite style to the Pac twelve. I just what's the spread in that two, which also tells that me was the thing it's that's re- closer than I thought it was going to be. Like yeah, that should be you know a four what? and a half game. You know, I had Tulane plus two written in tiny font in the corner of my my paper after we previewed that game, and I think that was what I was looking for more than the Tennessee game. But I would take up? them. I'll allow you one redo as long You'll as I get that? one later in the year. We each get one at, at any yeah, point. I'll give you that trade. If you, if you want to use it, you can I use it now. I hate Tennessee now. Yeah, I'll take two lane plus two all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up riding that with you in yeah. that game. That's just, just too fun not to ride. M- might sprinkle money. I actually will sprinkle money. Like two me. points against USC. Doesn't... I thought that would be like four and a half, five. Maybe even well, that six. just seems like a, a rat game where Vegas is, is loving people just jumping on, on USC. USC alternate lines, like the whole nine. That could be you in Alabama, too. Yeah, yeah. But hey, no, it is what it true. is, man. It is what it is. We're having fun. We're having fun here, and that does it for our college football bowl special. Hope you enjoyed it. Something a little different here, but we'll obviously pick up on a later episode before the final recap what happened. But I think that does it for today. Yep, that's that's all I got to say. I'm excited. Good opportunity for Ohio State. Lots of bulls in front of us. I mean, it's it's just the best time of the year. Bulls everywhere. And, I mean, go Bucks. That's all I got to say, really. See you, Good Damian. luck, Patrick. Thank See you. See y'all and let the wild beast stand.